This episode is brought to you by Dare to Dream's first official sponsor, and that is me. Gregory Russell Benedict Coaching is sponsoring this episode. And if you want to start taking consistent action towards your biggest dreams, we need to talk. Research shows that simply telling someone else your goals increases the likelihood that you'll accomplish them by 500%. And coaching is the best method and tool I've found for helping you realize your potential. So if you have a dream and you want to do something about it, visit me at www.gregoryrussellbenedict.com and book a free discovery call with yours truly. Welcome back to the Dare to Dream podcast. My name is Gregory Russell Benedict, and this is a podcast about challenging you to embark on the adventure of your life. Today is going to be another solo episode, and I will be going over the biggest takeaways of 2022. These are lessons learned that I discovered by reading my journal cover to cover, a tradition that I do at the end of every single year. It is unbelievably fun, interesting, and helpful to go back and look at all of the ups and downs you went through, knowing what the ultimate outcome was, knowing that things were going to be okay, and yet looking back on all the times when I was stressed and angry and frustrated or really happy thinking things were going to work out, and they didn't. So my biggest takeaways from 2022, here we go. They are categorized into three categories, wellness, decision-making, and then I clumped life, love, and other people all together. So let's start with wellness. The first takeaway is something that I've known, but I want to reiterate because it comes up every single year, and it's that my well-being is highly correlated with how much I am journaling and writing. How much I am journaling is so indicative of my mental health. When I am journaling on a consistent basis, I'm getting the thoughts out of my head, my emotions, my feelings, my musings out of my head and onto the page. The same goes for writing. It's such a cathartic process for me, and it's an essential part of my decision-making, my brainstorming, how I make sense of the world is being able to articulate what I'm feeling in my mind and get it out onto the paper. And whether I'm putting it in my journal, which is private, or I'm sharing it with the world, trying to pretend like I know what I'm talking about via one of my writing mediums. The next one is a no-brainer, but it is important to reiterate is that gratitude is the fastest path to feeling better. No matter what situation you're in, if you can get grateful for what you have, the fact that you're able to stand, that you have two legs, that you have two arms, that you are healthy, that you have a family, anything that you can get grateful for immediately makes you feel better. It is the fastest path to feeling better. And it's also what I call a happiness multiplier. If you sit and reflect on what you're grateful for, I guarantee you, you will start to feel better. Next one. This one's fun. My gut instinct is undefeated in predicting what my intellect will realize after three to six months of not believing it. This one is a pattern that always repeats itself. And it's that somehow my intuition, my gut instinct, whatever you want to call it, knows what the right decision is. And it tells me, but because it's not a blatant, obvious sign, it's a feeling, my mind 
tries to rationalize away all of the reasoning. It tries to tell me that what I'm feeling is nonsense and I should ignore it. And what always ends up happening is I'll come to the decision that I need to quit a job. I need to end a relationship. I need to do X. And I'll think that it's coming to me right in that moment. But when I really get quiet and think about and look back at my journal entries, I realized that I knew this was the decision I needed to make months ago, but I did not trust myself. I didn't listen to that intuition. I didn't believe myself. And one of these years, my intellect is going to catch up with my gut instinct. But for now, gut instinct is undefeated in predicting what I'll later realize was the truth. Next one is the number one predictor of my mental and emotional well-being is sleep. I can't say enough about sleep. Sleep is a superpower. If you don't believe me, go listen to the TED Talk, Why We Sleep, or I actually think it's called Sleep is Your Superpower by Matthew Walker. He wrote the book, Why We Sleep, and go read that book or listen to the TED Talk. It'll change your life. But for me, if I don't sleep enough, I'm cranky, I'm irritable, I suck at life. I can't get anything done. And yet, if I do the simple thing and just go to bed and get seven to nine hours of sleep, I feel fantastic. If sleep were a pill that you could take and give to people, it'd be the most addictive number one drug in the world, hands down. Next one, the universe rewards you often immediately for facing your resistance. This is another pattern that keeps showing up in my life. If I am willing to push myself outside my comfort zone, do the thing I don't want to do, whether it's talking to a cute girl or sending a cold email to a business about coaching, whatever it is. If I'm able to overcome that, oftentimes, immediately after I do it, something great will happen, sometimes completely unrelated. Like I'll send that email that I've been struggling to write and not wanting to send, and then all of a sudden I'll get a call from someone completely different who wants to hire me as a coach. It's really bizarre, but something is going on there where when you are willing to face your resistance, overcome that resistance, the universe rewards you. Three more in the wellness category. We have Doing things you know you should do equals satisfaction. Doing things you know you shouldn't do equals anxiety. I am so big about this right now. If you just simply do the things you know you should do on a daily basis, it's almost impossible to not be successful, to not be happy, to not be full of energy and vitality. It really is, I think, as simple as do the things you know you should do and don't do the things that you know you shouldn't. Things that you know you shouldn't be doing, depending on who you are. Scrolling through Instagram, eating junk food, skipping the gym, things like that. It really is so simple. And if you're sitting there wondering, how do I know the difference between what I should and shouldn't be doing? It is obvious. If you ask yourself, honestly, what should I be doing in this moment? Or what would the best version of myself be doing in this moment? I can guarantee an answer will come to you quite easily. Last one for the wellness category. How you consistently feel is indicative of if you're moving in the right direction. This one kind of ties everything together for this category in that if you are feeling good, meaning you have energy, you're emotionally stable, you're not all over the place, you're happy, you're smiling often, chances are whatever it is you're doing is great. So keep doing it. You're moving in the right direction if you're constantly feeling good, you're feeling like you're making progress, and if you are feeling good, 
so many things, so many needs are being met below the surface in order for you to show up with that good feeling, that high energy. And so it really is almost a simple way to hack your well-being instead of getting so in your head and asking, am I doing enough? Am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? If you're feeling good, it means that so many things are going right that you aren't even aware of. Like so many subconscious, unconscious, unconscious, unconscious tasks are being checked. So you're good. Stop worrying about it. Okay. Next, we're going to move into decision-making. And again, this is my biggest takeaways from 2022 lessons. I learned about decision-making after looking back at my journal from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. First one, beliefs and worldviews are simply tools. No need to accept one and reject all the others. Man, this is a lesson that I need to learn and I'm consistently reminding myself of it. There have been so many times in my life where I want to find the way, the single best way to go through life, whether it's mindset or habits. And to give you an example of this, there's so many different belief systems out there about how to go through the world. You have someone on the way, we'll call this the left side, and this has nothing to do with politics. I'm just holding up my left hand. You have the David Goggins of the world who their worldview is life is suffering. Life is brutal. You're a piece of shit. You have to force yourself to work out every single day. You are weak. And the only way to overcome that weakness is through suffering and working out, running 20 plus miles every single day. And just don't be soft, suck it up, get after it. There have been times in my life where that belief system is very attractive and very motivating. And then you have on the far other side of the spectrum, you have some of the spiritual teachers that I like, like Deepak Chopra or Michael Singer, who talk about how life is beautiful. Life is magic and everything should flow. And if things aren't flowing, you're doing something wrong. You're trying too hard. So just give in and surrender. Surrender is a huge part of this. And the surrender belief system or worldview and the white knuckle it grit your teeth belief system those seem to be in my mind incompatible and incongruent and i've spent so much time trying to figure out which one is right and the answer is that none of them are right each of them is right at a certain time and they're just tools right if you get out of bed and you need to reach for the david goggins mindset to have a good day go for it if you get out of bed and you need to reach for the deepak chopra mindset to use as your tool for that day go for it there is no right answer you don't have to accept one and reject all others. Just use them like you would tools and your life will be so much better. Next one. It's better to have strong convictions loosely held than loose convictions strongly held. This is by no means an original idea. I've stolen this from people far smarter than me. And what this means is you should have an opinion about things, especially important things. You should take the time to think about your stance on important social issues, important environmental issues, financial issues, have an opinion, right? Take the time to think about it, but hold that opinion loosely. It is not your job to go around convincing other people that your opinion is right, that their opinion is wrong, and hold your opinion loosely and that if you hear an argument that's very compelling where someone points out something that you hadn't thought about and you're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, then you relinquish your conviction because it's loosely held and you can change your mind quickly. 
that is so much better than having loose convictions or opinions where you haven't really thought about it much, but your gut reaction or what you heard your dad say or your cousin or you heard this argument somewhere and you just repeat it and you've never really thought about it, but you are so adamant that it's true. You have a loose conviction strongly held and you're not willing to change it. You're not willing to listen to anyone. You're not willing to look at any other facts or opinions. Man, if that is you, I do not want to be around you. <laughs> not good. No is a complete sentence. This is something that my coach told me. That's where I heard it for the first time. And it has been so helpful in my life. What it means is no is all you need to say. You don't need to say, no, I'm sorry, but I can't. Or no, I can't do it tomorrow. Let's do it next week. Or no, I really wish I could, but I can't. You can literally just say no. It's a complete sentence. You don't need to apologize. You don't need to justify why you can't do it. People will not mind as much as you think they will. And the last one for the decision-making category is that it should be illegal to make a decision without sleeping on it first. This is really resonant for me personally because whenever I make a decision without sleeping on it, I tend to make a worse decision. And I think there's a lot of wisdom behind the sleep on it maxim that we've all heard before. Once you've made the decision, if you just take that little extra time to sleep on it, I found whenever I wake up the next day, I'm either more firm in my opinion and I feel great about it, or I realize that, wow, maybe I need more time to think about this or I need to ask a clarifying question. And it has really helped me a lot this past year. We're now going to move into the last category, which is life, love, and other people. The first one is so important, something that I'm constantly reminding myself of, and it is people think about you approximately 2 trillion times less than you think they do. A much more simple way to say this is no one gives a shit about you. We go through life thinking that everyone else is focusing on us. And it makes sense, right? We are the center of our universe. The only way we know how to perceive the world is through our body and our eyes and our mind, our personality, all of that. So it makes sense that you would think that Everyone else cares about you as much as you care about yourself, but that is not true because everyone else is so busy focused on themselves and their meat suit and navigating themselves through space and time that no one is thinking about you. And if they are, it's for fleeting seconds. No one is thinking about you as much as you think they are. We spend so much time tormenting ourselves about if people will like us, if people are thinking about that weird thing we accidentally said when we introduced ourselves and no one actually really noticed. And if you don't believe me on this, think back to all of the times that you think you're having a bad hair day or you think you have a zit that's super noticeable or something is off and you ask someone about it and they're like, what are you talking about? Your hair looks the exact same as it always does. That's the best example I can think of. The next one is reading every morning is a non-negotiable. This one is pretty self-explanatory, but for myself, when I start my days off, if reading is part of my morning routine, I don't know what it is, whether it's the act of reading or that I'm learning something or that I'm doing the things I know I should be doing, I feel so much better about my day and my days are so much more fun and relaxed when I can read, especially in the mornings, but if not in the mornings, always before I go to bed. Next one is, we all deserve to be with someone who is clear on what they want 
and able to communicate that effectively. This one is so important for me because I grew up with the emotional range and ability of a teaspoon to steal a quote from Hermione. I was so bad at talking about my emotions for most of my life and it was really only when I started getting into personal development and coaching and learning about emotional intelligence that I was able to articulate the things that I was feeling. If you're with someone who doesn't know what they want, they don't know whether they want to be with someone in a relationship or if they just want to go out there and hook up with a bunch of people, that's terrible. You need to be with someone who is clear on what they want because if they're not clear on what they want, you are going to go on an emotional roller coaster and you're constantly trying to cater and adjust yourself to them, but they don't even know what they want. So how are you possibly going to do that? And then regardless of what they want, if they aren't able to communicate that to you effectively, it's a nightmare. It's like trying to throw darts in the dark and figure out what it is that that person wants. And again, both of those lead to frustration, anxiety, wondering if it's something you're doing. And I can't stress it enough, especially in relationships, clear communication about what the person wants and then being able to communicate that is so effective and important. Okay, another one about love. Here we go. The Dare to Dream podcast apparently is uh, me talking about my love life and how well it's going or not well it's going. Love takes courage and risk. It requires you to open yourself up to the possibility of not being okay if things go south. This one's super important to me because through a lot of inner work and introspection, I realized that I have been unwilling to open myself up to people in the romantic capacity over the past couple of years. It sounds obvious, but if you're going to really try with someone to be in a relationship to work through things, you have to be willing to open yourself up to the point where you need to be vulnerable enough to where if it doesn't work out, you're not going to be okay. You're going to be okay long term, but you're not going to be okay the next day if you love someone and they do something that really hurts you. There's two ways to go into a relationship. One is to harden your heart, not let anyone in and pretend like you are, but not actually. And I've done that in a lot of past relationships. The other way is to actually let people in, but it comes with a cost. It is scary. It can be really painful at times, especially if things aren't going well. But again, I will reiterate for real love to take place. You have to have the courage and you have to take that risk of letting someone else into your life, letting someone else into your rhythms and your habits and your routine. And you're honestly giving them almost the keys to the kingdom. Like they can mess things up if they want to, but that is the risk you have to be willing to take for it to work out. You have to let people in. You have to be vulnerable. Okay, two more in this category, and then I'll wrap things up. This is one of my favorites. Failing publicly at least once and often repeatedly is the admission price of following your dreams. If you have a dream and you want to do something about it, you have to be okay with failing publicly. I have failed so many times since I made that decision to quit my job in finance to the moment I'm standing here today in front of you recording this. The failure is public because in order to go for your dreams, unless it's something that you tell no one about and you can do in a vacuum, you're most likely going to have to tell other people 
You're going to have to ask other people for connections and do some networking. And it's not fun when you fail publicly because it's embarrassing, but you learn so much. And so if you have something that you want to do, it is so worth it to go for it, regardless of the outcome, because there's nothing worse than sitting there and always wondering, what if, what if I tried this thing? What if I really went for it? This thing I'm passionate about, I've always wanted to do. And don't be afraid to fail publicly because it's going to happen. It's going to happen over and over and over again. And these don't have to be big failures. They can just be small failures. Like you upload a podcast episode and you realize that you forgot to edit it or you go to purchase podcast equipment and you realize that you buy the wrong thing, like small little failures that sometimes people know about them. Sometimes people don't, but I guarantee you will have at least one big public failure if you follow your dreams and it is so, so worth it. Last one for you guys. This is something that Vinny and I talk about all the time. It's so important to go through life a couple different ways. And here it is. One should flirt with life, have a light and playful touch, and not take oneself too seriously. All of those things are so important. Flirting with life is that playful, almost mischievous way of being where whether it's the cashier at the Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, I just gave away my bougie grocery shopping habits, whether it's the cashier or someone you see on the street or a coworker or a friend or your mom, just being fun and flirty and having a good time, having a light and playful touch, never taking things too seriously is so good. Uh, if you're watching this, you will notice that I have a mustache. This is one of the reasons I have a mustache is because I look ridiculous and it is hard to take myself too seriously when I look in the mirror and this mustache is looking back at me. I just wrote an article this morning, rather it was my newsletter that's going out, and I was talking about how mischief and a little bit of unpredictability is a really good thing. This all ties into this not taking oneself too seriously, and if you're able to change things up and be a bit unpredictable with what you're doing in a good way, in a funny way, it's a really good way to go through life, and it makes things so much more fun. That and obviously a sense of humor are prerequisites to a good life. So that's it. Those were some of my biggest takeaways from 2022. And again, every single year on New Year's Eve, I go through my journal and read through every single entry cover to cover. It is such a powerful exercise. I couldn't recommend it more. And in order to start doing that, what you need to do is journal. So whether it's a digital journal, you take notes on your phone, you write in a physical journal. I'm looking for mine at the moment. Journaling is so powerful. Tying it back into the very first thing I shared. Your well-being is correlated to how much you are journaling. It is for me. And if there's one change you make in 2023, I would recommend picking up journaling and recording your life. Recording everything that happens throughout the year so that when you get to the end of the year, you can look back on everything you went through, everything you accomplished, the highs, the lows, and you can create your own list of lessons learned from the past year. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. I love recording these episodes. It gives me a chance to talk and listen to my voice for 23 minutes, almost 24. So we're going to wrap things up here. I love you all so much. 2023 is going to be an unbelievable year 
for all of us, for the Dare to Dream podcast. And I'm so excited and grateful that you are along for the ride. If you haven't already, go to the Dare to Dream brand Instagram. If you don't know, our Instagram is Dare to Dream brand. Click on the link in our bio and sign up for our newsletter. We have a new newsletter or email capture, whatever you want to call it, where we are asking for your guys' opinions. Sign up to be able to influence what we talk about, guests we bring on. We really want to build the Dare to Dream podcast out with all of you. And in order to do that, we need your email so that we can start talking more. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. And as always, I love you guys.